Well, welcome to Wednesday night, church. If you're here in person, welcome. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. It's awesome to have all you guys here. You know, it's uh, it's interesting how how God works. He's pretty, he's pretty uh, specific at times, and I love that they just sing the the song "Build My Life." It's going to play pretty well into what God has put on my heart for tonight. But in my neighborhood. They have decided in the last about three years that we needed to have close to, I don't know, like 35 or 40 new homes. So they took a field that was uh, weed, I think, or, you know, hay for the last several years, and they took all that out, and then all of a sudden they put in a road. And then after they put in the road, all of a sudden they would come through and you'd see these excavators begin digging holes. And then in that hole, they would pour concrete. And then on that concrete, they'd start putting some wood. And then all of a sudden, that wood would take shape. And it would be the frame of a house. And then they'd put shingles on it. And then they'd put siding on it and windows. And what, what, one thing I've realized is when you're building something, you have to be pretty specific. Right? If the guy shows up to do the windows, yet they haven't put the walls in yet, it makes it really challenging, doesn't it? So there, there's, there's a specific pattern that goes, and, and I think it's interesting, this song, Build My Life, uh, when you think about it, uh, oftentimes we, we sometimes forget that there's a process even to building our lives. Well, tonight what I want to talk to you guys about, and if you're taking notes, uh, I'd encourage you to take notes. Uh, my message tonight is called Intentionality. Uh, tonight, uh, my name's Tim Gillio. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I get the opportunity to oversee our first impressions, which is essentially our guest service teams, uh, ushers, greeters, all that. I also work with our young married, married under 40. If you're in here or if you're online, uh, just, you know, next Tuesday, 630 in the zone. Just plugging it real quick. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's just pray and let's ask God to move because I could say a lot of really fancy words strung together but it's nowhere near if God just shows up and speaks to each of us, right? So if you would, let's, uh, let's pray. Can you close your eyes, bow your heads? Father, we just thank you for tonight. Father, we know that you've got a plan of what you want to do tonight. Right now, Lord, we purpose to make space for you to move. We say, have your will. We, we pray your will will be done in our lives. Your will will be done in our, our homes, in this church, in this community as it is in heaven. We, we thank you, Jesus, that you chose to make a way where there was no way so that we can trust you. And that we do, Lord, we trust you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on. So again, we're going to talk about intentionality uh, Tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of maybe apologize. I was a youth pastor for several years. I worked in youth ministry for, I think, about 12 years. So every once in a while, youth ministry comes out. So tonight, I think that might happen a little bit. But I was thinking about this word intentional. Oh, I want to introduce my family. Most of my family is right here. My wife, my amazing wife, Rachel, and then my oldest, Josephine. She just turned eight. Oh, my goodness, where does time go? And my, my, one of my mighty men, Jaden, he's six. Come on, about to be seven. So uh, they're with me today. They're cheering me on. But uh, okay. So I was thinking about this word uh, intentional. And when, when we say intentional, 
some ideas come to our head, and sometimes those ideas might be really good, and sometimes they might be not so good. Uh, when, when I think of the word intentional, I might think of businesses like the Ritz-Carlton, right? Like they're, they're intentional, or Starbucks. You know, uh, there's been times where I've been driving and you'll start to see a Starbucks being built or maybe a Chick-fil-A. You'll start, you'll be like, why are they building it there? And then they get it finished and you realize, oh, that's why. They, they had some intentionality behind, behind doing that. Or maybe you, maybe you think of people. So some people like uh, John Maxwell, right? He's, he's intentional with how he lives his life. You think of people like this. <clears throat> With intentionality, but it's interesting that that often when when we think of when we think of intentionality, uh, oftentimes we can maybe think, or, or maybe this is just me, we can maybe think like, oh, I can't be intentional like that. I can't have that amount of intentionality because you don't know what my life is like. And the the problem is a lot of times we look at where people are in their end of their intentionality journey. And then we compare us to ourselves maybe in the beginning of our intentionality journey. And it's like, I can't make up that space. But one thing we got to realize is intentionality comes one step at a time. Uh, you, you'll often hear people say this, like, how do you eat an elephant, right? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. You take one bite and then you eat the next bite. And I, I don't know why they say eat an elephant. I don't think any of us in here really want to eat an elephant, but that's what they say. Um, but, it, but, but sometimes we can have this thought of, well, it's impossible for me to be intentional. But the truth is, intentionality is available to all of us. Each of us had the opportunity to say, I'm going to be intentional about something today. And maybe that's not a huge step. Maybe that's a little step. Uh, Greg, Pastor Greg is in here. Greg Gless, he's over our stewardship ministry. Uh, he would probably say, just take one step financially being a good steward, take one step of intentionality, and that's a big step. It doesn't matter how small it is, it's still a big step in the idea of getting towards uh, intentionality. How many of you guys have ever watched Price is Right? This was like, yeah, everyone's like, woo! Uh, one of my favorite things when I was younger was with my mom to watch uh, The Price is Right. Do you guys remember the game Planko? It's like the big board that's on an angle and it's got all the pegs. I love watching that because you go up to the top, and if you don't know the game, you drop this little disc, and it goes, and it goes down, and in the bottom, there's different slits, and one of the slips would say $0, and the other one might say a whole bunch of dollars, and all these in between, uh, and they drop the, the plank on. You could see the person at the top, and they're trying to, they're, 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 they're trying to think of where's the best place. Like, where's the best place to let this thing go? And they, they, they pick a spot, and all of a sudden they let it go, and it looks like it's heading down, and, and one moment they're like, oh, no, no. And they're like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And then it's like, oh, no, no. Because it's, it's complete chance, right? Complete chance. But how many people live their lives like a giant Planko game? They just keep bouncing off one peg and the next, hoping that eventually they'll land in a place that's at least halfway decent. Right? They just kind of happen through life. I like to say this. Many people let life happen to them. Very few people happen to life. We need to choose 
to happen to life, meaning we need to be intentional. Now, there's always going to be things that pop up in our life that may bounce us one way or the other, but as long as we're being intentional, a little bounce here or there isn't going to make a big difference. But if, like Planka, we just let things bounce us around continually, we're never going to end up anywhere where we might want to be. So what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is how intentionality is important. Andy Stanley says this, direction de- direction determines destination. Your direction determines destination. So, so check this out. Uh, if I wanted to go to the Mackinac Bridge, I'm pretty sure m- most of us have at least been up that direction or could at least say what direction that is. So if I'm not mistaken, I think like that's north, like that way for some reason. It's about that way. If I get in the car and I start heading that way, I could do whatever I want, but it's not going to be the destination that I want to go. Maybe we should turn this around because we're in like the middle of this Arctic moment. Maybe I want to go south and I start, you know, Direction determines ultimately the destination we go at. Uh, you'll, you'll hear this said a lot. Five frogs sit on a log. Four of them decide to jump off. How many are still on the log? And most of the time we would say, well, one. But the answer is five because just because you decide to jump off, it doesn't mean anything. You actually have to jump off. Because direction determines destination, not intentionality. I could be, I, I can or uh, not, not like my hope, I need to, I need to put action, this is going to be a big point tonight, I need to put action behind intentionality, and that's going to determine the destination I go to, right? As I put action behind what I want to do, that's going to determine the direction I go. So this plays out in several areas of our life. This plays out uh, in our careers, in your job, wherever you work, this this plays out in your families, at home, in your marriages. It plays out in your friendships. It plays out in your spiritual life. In whatever aspect we're looking, our direction determines where we end up. We can have the best intentions, but if we don't have the the the, the right direction behind that intention, it's not going to end up well because direction determines destination. So if you're taking notes, uh, write down point one is keep your eyes in front of you. Proverbs 27, 12 says this. The prudent see danger and take refuge. Let me say that again. The prudent see danger and take refuge. It goes on to say, but the simple keep on going and pay the penalty. Let's think about this with like, the Planko game, right? The prudent person looks ahead and makes decisions based on a destination they want to go, but the simple just kind of lets things happen to them and hope they end up in a place that's halfway decent. But we need to keep our eyes in front of this. How many how many of you guys remember in driver's training when you're when you're driving when you're getting ready to get behind the car the 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 instructor doesn't say look straight down in front of you at the front of the car no they say look way down the road because as we keep our eyes way down the road that determines where we stay if we look to the left if you look to the left, you naturally begin to veer to the left. If you look to the right, you tend to veer to the right. If you look straight down the road, you tend to stay on that path. 
The problem is, a lot of times, it's really easy to look right in front of you. That's what's so dangerous about driving in fog or in, in, in heavy snowstorms or even heavy rain. It's hard sometimes to see way down. Oftentimes, we, we begin looking right in front of us, and that's when we can get ourselves in danger. But if we can choose to keep our eyes in front of us, we'll be better off. I learned a wakeboard probably about 15 so it might be more like 17 years ago, uh, I learned a wakeboard. And one of the things that I was taught by Pastor Daniel is sitting right back there. Woo, woo. Uh, my body can't handle wakeboarding anymore, so I don't do it anymore. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, one of the things you learn about wakeboarding is when you get up on that wakeboard, the first time and you grab the rope, you tend to lock yourself all up and you look straight down. And when you look straight at the water, where do you think you're going to end up? You're going to end up in the water. Thank you. Come on. Preach it. So what we, what we would tell people when we're beginning to help them, or what I was told when I was first learning, is look at the boat. Because my goal in wakeboarding is to be where the boat is, right? And then the boats can be a little farther, and I want to be where the boat is. I don't want to end up in the water. I want to stay on the board above the water. So I keep my eyes... I keep my eyes focused ahead of me. In life, in life, we need to keep our eyes focused in front of you. Keep your eyes in front of you. The best example of this is Jesus. Check out what it says in Hebrews 1 and 2. Sorry, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. So let's pause for a moment. This is talking about in our spiritual life, get rid of the stuff that's trying to pull us away from where we want to go. Listen to the language. It's trying to get us away from our intended direction. So it says, get rid of these things, and it goes on to say, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out. It's this idea of looking ahead, this race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And then listen to what it says about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't look at the cross. What did he do? He looked at the joy set before him. He didn't look at the cross. He looked past the cross. And let me tell you what that joy set before him was, is it was us. He said, I'm not looking at the obstacle in front of me. That's just something that I got to go through because on the other side is where I want to get. So he kept his eyes in front of him. We need to keep our eyes in front of us. The joy set before him, he set his eyes. He was focused. He didn't let himself get swayed to the right or to the left. If you're taking, taking notes, sorry, this is like a really simple message, but, uh, but it's profound at the same time. If you're taking notes, point number two is this. Have a goal in mind. Have a goal in mind. Have something that you're going towards instead of something that is behind you that you're running away from. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people when they're trying to do things like, like let's take, uh, we just went through New Year's and New Year's resolutions and a lot of people have those. If your goal is to eat healthier, 
don't think about constantly what you're trying not to eat that is behind you. Think about something that you're going to eat that is in front of you. Don't think about the cake that you don't want to eat. Think about the fruit and the veggies that you're going to eat. It just makes it easier. Well, this guy, Seneca, a Roman philosopher, had the same thought. And bear with me. Remember, youth pastor, I came with a prop. This guy, Seneca, he had the same concept. How many of you guys have ever been on a sailing boat? Maybe not quite like this, but a sailing boat. I saw Carson raise his hand. He, he owns a tiny one, <laughs> an itty-bitty one. I've never been on one like this, but uh, I went on a sail, sailboat this last summer, and uh, one thing I've realized uh, is I'm not a sailor. <laughs> I like powered boats more than, more than wind boats, but it was good. But what, what, what Seneca said is he said that you have to know which harbor you intend to go if you're going to catch the right wind to get you there. Now, if we go back hundreds of years to when they had boats that did not have motors, because even sailboats these days have motors. <clears throat> but if we go back hundreds of years ago to where there's not motors, they have to, they have to use the wind to propel them, and they have to take into account which wind they want to use, but the only way that they can do that is to think about the destination they want to go. If I'm in a boat, and I want to go this direction, I shouldn't catch a wind that's taking me that direction. I have to figure something else out. In life, we have to do the same thing. We have to know what location or what destination we're trying to get to to be able to catch the right wind to get us in that that place meaning we have to think about where we want to go and then in that moment we have to uh, bring things into our life that are going to help us get there aka if i want to save money financially i probably shouldn't frequent big b right i should i should maybe stay away because i like big b Rome, uh, sorry, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, meaning there's no reason to restrain yourself if you don't have a destination you're going to. I'm just going to let whatever happens happen, kind of like that Planko game. Habakkuk 2, 2, write down the vision and make it plain on tablets. Write down the vision and make it plain. It goes on to talk about so you can run with it. Write down that vision so you can make it plain that, you, that, that he who runs may read it. It's this idea of like have a destination so that as you're going, when things happen, you adjust, you change. But you know where you're going, so you make an adjustment based on where you want to get. Not based on what's going on, but where you want to get. Keep your eyes in front of you, have a destination, or have a goal in mind. Predetermined decisions always work out best. Predetermined. When you predetermine what you're going to do, it's always going to work out best. Think about this. Back to the, back to the illustration of I'm trying to save money. So uh, when I'm driving down the road and I think about Big B that's right there, I'm going to choose to when I have that desire to turn in to go straight. Because if I wait till the moment, it, it's easier to turn in 
because of that desire. But if I have a predetermined decision, if I have a goal in mind, and if I keep my eyes way down, that sets me up for success. If you're taking notes, point number three, live intentionally. Live intentionally. So many people make decisions based simply on emotion. They're just letting emotion happen to them. And in that moment, in moments of emotion, it's easy to make the wrong decisions. Uh, In the book, The Principle of the Path, Andy Stanley says it like this. There's, There's a list of people who make the wrong decisions emotionally in a moment because they didn't predecide what to do. It goes on to say, a single woman says, I want to meet the one, I, I want to meet and one day marry a great Christian guy who's really got his act together. But then she dates whoever asks her out as long as he's cute. A single guy says, <clears throat> sorry, um, a married, I'm going to go on to this one. A married woman says, I want to have a great relationship with my husband, but she makes children a priority over him. A husband says, I want my kids to respect me as they grow up. And then they op- and then openly flirts with a woman in the neighborhood. A young Christian says, I want to develop a deep, lasting intimacy with God. So he gets up early in the morning and reads the newspaper. A man says, I want to grow old and in- invest the latter years of my life in my grandchildren. And then he neglects his health. And it goes on and on. And how many times people don't predetermine the decisions that they're going to do. They just let life happen to them. We need to be intentional. We need to live intentionally. Proverbs 3, 5 says, that, or sorry, Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. It's this idea of intentionally allowing God to be in the middle of your decisions. And when you do that, the Bible is clear. He's going to make your path straight. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Not at all. But he's going to make it clear the direction that you should be going. Because now you've got your eyes in front of you. You've got a destination you want to go. And you add intentional living into that. And then there's one more aspect. If you're taking notes, label this point 3.5. Because that's what I would do. You need to add intentionality you need, sorry, you need to add action to your intentionality. So let's bring this back home for a minute. With intentionality, it can make an impact in our career, and it can make an impact in our, our marriages and in our families and in our friendships. But one of the most important places to put intentionality is in our relationship with God. One of the saddest things in life is when I talk to people and it's around New Year and you ask the question of, are you closer in your relationship with God now than you were in the beginning of the year? And how sad it is that most of the time all of us, including myself, answer, not really. And that, that kind of that brings up the thought of, wow, 365 days and I could have been a lot closer in my relationship with God than I am. We need to live intentionally. This is, we're, we're, we're a couple weeks, like six, six and a half or so weeks in to 2021. What is the end of 2021 going to look like? 
What intentionality are we going to add into our relationship with God? There, there, are, there are a couple real simple things that we can do that will intentionally draw us closer to the heart of God and things that we could put in our life. The first one, the first thing you have to do is you have to spend time in the Word. The Word is the most powerful way we have to grow closer to God. And it can't just be, I'm going to read the word to read the word. No, it's, you're reading the Bible. I should clarify that. When I, when I say the word, I mean the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, it's, I am reading the words of my king, and I'm going to submit to the authority of the Bible. Okay? This isn't just reading it to read it. No, this is, I'm submitting to the authority of the word of God. So we can, we, we can read the, the word of God. We could spend time meditating I love the, the word meditate. It's kind of like that, like how a, how a cow chews food over and over and over, which is kind of like gross in, in some sense, you know. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend time meditating on the word of God. The, the second thing we can do, the second real important thing is we can spend time uh, in quiet and consistent prayer with our Heavenly Father. Those moments where you say, Jesus, God, here I am. And it's not always talking, it's listening. Another thing, a third thing we can do is we can, we can spend time worshiping. And, and corporate worship is an incredible thing. When we get to spend time worshiping together, it's an incredible thing. But, but we also need individual moments of worship where it's just you and the Heavenly Father. Uh, another thing is uh, Proverbs twenty seven set Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another. We can spend time in uh, intentional fellowship with other believers. This is moments where it's you're encouraging them, building them up. They're encouraging you and building you up. But but it all comes back to this. It all comes back to being intentional. It all comes back to adding action behind our intentionality because we don't want to be the frog still sitting on the log saying, I decided to jump off, but I never did. At the end of 2021, I want us all to look back and say, this was an incredible year of growth spiritually for me. Can you do me a favor? Uh, we're going to go into a moment of just a ministry. I'm going to invite the worship team if you guys want to come back up. One of, the, one of the things I love doing is create, I said doing weird. <laughs> one of the things I love doing is um, creating moments where we can allow God to speak to us. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes for me, the busyness of life can distract me from my quiet time with God. Uh, I'm going to give you a little, little preface of what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us through an exercise. And if you're home and you're able, do this with us. Uh, in a minute, we're going to close our eyes. And I'm going to engage our imagination in a way that's going to allow God to speak to us. Uh, God speaks, I, sh I should preface this with this. God speaks in many ways. Sometimes, sometimes God will say an audible word. That's incredible. Sometimes God will just gently nudge our heart in a direction 
and that's just as powerful. Sometimes we'll see an image that will uh, bring with it maybe a wave of emotion and, 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 a, and a, an, a, um, an awesome moment, an encounter with God. And sometimes it'll just be a quiet, still moment where we just feel his peace. But God speaks in incredible ways. And what we're going to do is in a moment, we're going to go through an exercise of allowing God to speak to us. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to ask you in a second, not yet, you're going to close your eyes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe a situation, and I want you to imagine yourself going through this. And in this moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out certain things that's going to help you engage emotionally in this. And then in this moment, God is going to begin to speak to us. Are we cool? So this is a moment for you. As I was getting ready for today, I really felt like this was something that I was supposed to do. So I'm going to kind of let it hang. The worship team's just going to play quietly behind us. But we're just going to, I'm going to have you guys close your eyes and we're just going to let it hang for a minute. I want you just to breathe in and out deeply. And through this time, just kind of set aside the things of today. What I want you to do with eyes closed, I want you to begin to imagine that you're standing on the edge of a field. Imagine for a second that the grass is really tall in the field. It's up to about your waist. But it's, it's, it's a really light grass. It's not rigid. It it moves with the wind. Listen to the sound of the wind blowing through the grass. At this moment, the sun is up high in the sky, and and the, the sun is reflecting off the green leaves on the trees and there's birds flying through the air and you can hear them in the distance. Look look down at your feet. You can see that you're standing on a gravel path. You you wiggle your feet and you can feel you can feel the the the, the gravel rolling underneath your feet. this moment you turn around and behind you there's there's really tall green trees and there's a the the path that you're standing on is leading winding into these trees but you can't see where it goes because it makes a bend you begin to walk down this this path and each and every step you can feel the breeze passing by you. You can feel the gravel rolling and you can hear the gravel rolling underneath your feet. You keep you keep taking steps. And you're kind of you're kind of walking up a hill. And you, you you begin to peek over the hill 
It's just a few more steps away, but you peek over the hill, and you can see that it kind of begins to open up. And in the middle of this opening, it's beautiful green grass, like the most beautiful lawn you've ever seen. And the path steps out of the woods into this green opening. Look at the trees that you see around. Make note of what you see on the trees. You pause for a second and you can smell the freshness of the air. You just notice that it smells so good. You, you begin walking again, but you notice that the path is quieter than it was in the woods. As you step onto this path, you notice that it's wood chips instead of stone and instead of rock. So your steps are quieter. You, you're walking through this opening and it's, it's getting bigger and bigger as you see the opening. And you look ahead and you notice that there's a park bench sitting there. As you're walking up to this bench, you feel the overwhelming desire just to sit and rest and take in the beauty of this moment. You step up and you feel the bench and it feels sturdy and strong. It feels comfortable. You notice the size of the bench. This bench can fit three or four people. When you go to sit down, you, you don't sit down on the end. You sit down right in the middle of the bench. And as you sit down, you lean back. And when you lean back, you just feel this overwhelming sense of peace. This overwhelming sense of an incredible moment. You take advantage and you just close your eyes. you're quietly sitting there with your head kind of gently bowed recognizing the amount of peace that you have over your body and time goes by you can't remember if it's been five minutes or if it's been an hour you're just sitting you hear birds flying through the trees You hear squirrels climbing as they go up higher. You're just resting, breathing in and out. With your eyes still closed, sitting on the park bench, you begin to hear something. Something off in the distance, you don't know what it is. And then, and then you begin to make out that it sounds like the gentle s sound of footsteps. Not wanting to open your eyes, you still keep them closed. 
but you can't help but have your ears drawn to the sound of footsteps walking closer to you. Walking, you begin to wonder, who could it be? Because this is a place that's felt like it's just mine. And as the steps get closer and the, the curiosity begins to wander in your heart, you decide that you're just going to peek open one eye and you look. And as you peek open that eye, you see Jesus is walking towards you in this moment. And he's taking his steps closer and close, And you could feel your heart begin to pound. Because you look at him and you can, you can be overwhelmed by the amount of love that he has in his eyes, the amount of strength that he holds in his body, but the, the amount of grace that he approaches you. And in this moment, you feel overwhelmed with emotions. You don't really know what to make of them all. And then the moment that you can't imagine happens, he comes and he sits down next to you on this bench. seconds begin to feel like hours as you wonder what's about to happen. And then you feel it. You feel his hand reach across to your other shoulder as he begins to embrace you. At this moment, the amount of emotion filled inside your body is almost unbearable. All you can do is sit there in silence. You try to muster up a word to say, but you can't say it. You're just sitting there. And you sit there, and you sit there, and as you sit there, you realize that the sound of all the other stuff fades away and all you begin to hear is the sound of his heart. You can't imagine how loud it is, his heart and the beats. And then you realize that his heart is beating with love for you. And all you can do is rest. Take a deep breath. And you take another breath. And then with all the strength that's in you, you look into his eyes. And you notice how pure they are. Notice how strong, yet how gentle they are. You notice how the depths of his eyes express the depths of his love towards you. You can't help but feel his acceptance, not for who you are, but for what he's done for you. Just stare into his eyes, breathing in and breathing out. You're going to take three more breaths in and out. And when you do, I want you to listen 
to what God says to you. First breath in, out. Second breath with anticipation in and out. The third breath in, out, and now listen. closed for a moment longer. The most incredible thing is the amount of love that God has for us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went to a cross. his hands pierced with nails, his feet pierced with nails, a crown of thorns on his head. Put up on a cross, he uttered the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And through that act of love, he made available to us forgiveness and salvation. And I want to extend an opportunity to you, whether you're here in person or you're online, if you have not asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, today is the day to do that. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise up your hand right now if that's you. Say, I'm in. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Well, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, can you repeat after me and say, Jesus, today I give myself to you. 
I surrender my life to you. I ask for forgiveness for the mistakes that I've made. I surrender my life to you. And I ask that you, Jesus, would be my Lord, my King, my Savior. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said as loud as they can, amen, amen. Come on, can you give them a hand?